fall break has set in on us for a moment. We uh, know that there's probably a lot of folks watching online. I have a lot of people talk to me about that when they head out of town. So thank you for joining in if, uh, if you are. We're glad you are. Um, one thing I need to uh, uh, ask about or throw out there, I guess I could say, is uh, I've got a special request. Uh, Ann Sailor, if you know Ann, uh, perfect Ann, um, she uh, is looking for some coordinators for the upcoming Serve Sunday projects uh, that we have. I'm just going to read this, uh, and so then you can know. Maybe you maybe you fall into this if you have you know any kind of construction abilities. Uh, especially probably helpful with these, but uh, it says we are looking for a project for project coordinators for these projects: building a wheelchair ramp for an older adult and repairing the subfloor in a small barn <coughs> at By Faith Farm, which is a Christian farm that uh, grows produce for organizations that help people who are hungry, including our food pantry. Uh, and so uh, if you are interested, have the skills to pay the bills to help uh, lead a crew to building a wheelchair ramp or uh, doing subfloor work, uh, see Ann or Debbie about that. Um, and that's coming up. The signups for, uh, and Ben will probably talk about this so I won't steal his thunder, but um, uh, signups for uh, that serve Sunday, uh, which is the very beginning part of next month, uh, is uh, they open today. So you can sign up today for that if you want to see other projects and things going on or ask questions. Uh, and that's for anybody. Anybody can sign up. You don't have to, uh, you know, whatever. You don't have to be a member or something like that. We get a lot of questions like that, just to be clear. Um, and just for if you're new, a uh, couple times, a few times a year, uh, we take a Sunday uh, and instead of doing two services, we do one shorter service and then we go out and we serve the community uh, in all sorts of different ways. We'll have uh, usually anywhere from 10 to 15 teams uh, just kind of everywhere doing all kinds of stuff. And so uh, we help the schools, we help uh, individuals, uh, just whatever whatever needs to be done that, uh, that we can uh, get in on. And uh, yeah, it's a great thing. So uh, come be a part of that with us. And uh, yeah, if you can help with the subfloor or uh, doing a wheelchair ramp, let us know. We'll make it happen. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's jump into this today. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, our ushers can bring you one. Uh, and we are going to the book of Ruth. We will be in the book of Ruth here for uh, the next month or two. And uh, uh, looking forward to getting to uh, study uh, all the way through this with you guys. And um, Already, uh, it has just been a great thing. Uh, I know for me, uh, I've loved already getting to study this and uh, just getting to see kind of just the reminder of how God works uh, and how good we are at uh, questioning a lot of times his working and what he's doing and that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, the book of Ruth is one of those books that uh, uh, it's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of telling of a story of what's going on, but it's a you know it's it's a story that's part of the story of God and and it is the telling of the story of God in the lives of of these people. And so uh, to kind of catch us up to speed, if you weren't with us last week, we started out the book of Ruth. We we just studied the first five verses, and in those first five verses, we we found um, that we had. Uh, a husband and a wife and their two boys, and they uh, had come into a time. They were part of uh, part of Israel, part of God's people, and uh, you know they they came into a point of time where there was a, a great famine, uh, and it was really because God's people were you know kind of had their backs turned to, to the Lord, and and so during that famine, uh, this family takes off uh, to Moab and goes and lives with the Moabites, and uh, while they're there, uh, the husband dies. Uh, the two boys each take wives, and then both the boys die. So then left is the mom and two daughters-in-law. And so uh, it's the three, the three ladies. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's kind of where we're picking up today, is we're picking up just shortly after they, they've passed. And um, it's the three gals left, and, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And and so uh, we're picking up here in Ruth chapter one, verse six. In fact, um, you know, just to just to kind of uh, before we jump into this, you know, one of the things that we see throughout the book of Ruth uh, is the use of the word return, uh, return, uh, and and that may be in in going back, bringing back, turning back, uh, but to return. 
Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's one of those things uh, that, you know, when I see something, especially, you know, uh, multiple times, 12 times in chapter 1, we see the use of the word return in some way, shape, or form in one of those ways. And so, you know, for us to, to notice that, I think, uh, is really important because I think, it's, it, I think it gives us an overarching theme of one of the things that's happening uh, in the story and in the scripture here. Um, so, uh, as we jump into this, you'll probably see that as we kind of read along. I'm not going to make a big deal out of each one, but, um, you know, they're there. And, uh, and, and we'll talk about uh, them being there here in just a little bit. Let's, let's read Ruth 1, uh, starting in verse 6, and it says this. It says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, and she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. So we'll stop here and just kind of talk about this for just a minute. Um, you know, so, um, you know, while they're working out in the fields, Naomi gets word, and this is the mom, okay, and the mother-in-law at this point, uh, to these two other, these other two ladies. And uh, while they're working out in the field, Naomi gets word that God's people have suddenly been blessed again with food. So the, so the famine that was going on, and this is, by the way, this is years in the making at this point. Uh, we, we know at least 10 plus years, uh, the family has been away uh, from Judah and, you know, and, and, and God's people and all that stuff. And, and we talked last week a little bit about how they, they, did, they did pretty much kind of go and kind of run away. Uh, so to speak. And, and so now we're kind of picking back up from that. Uh, you know, after, after the husband, both boys die, and then the, the three ladies are left behind, you know, so then comes this question, you know, for them, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are they going to are they going to stay in Moab and keep you know living the Moab life? And 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 truthfully, the two girls are um, you know the daughters in law. They're they're both Moabites. You know that's their people. You know, and so uh, it starts out right here. They get word uh, that uh, the people of God have been blessed with food. In other words, probably the, the well, not probably it is the fields and everything are you know bearing food, and you know it's going to be a good year, and you know so on and so forth. And so they start out, verse 7, we see that they start out going toward uh, the land of Judah. But then in verse 8, it says, But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And so she's, it's a, that's a, a, a compliment, by the way. She's, she's saying to them, you've been great. You've been great to me. You've been great uh, you know, through uh, you know, all these funerals and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, but you, you guys should go and be with your families and while I go back and be with mine. She's, she's wanting to return uh, back to God's people. And back to the Lord. And so, you know, this is this whole, you know, kind of a setup here in this moment. And, and she says, the Lord grant you that you may find rest in each of you uh, in the house of her husband. And then she kisses them and they lift up their voices and they wept. So, you know, basically what she's saying is she's saying, I want you to go make a life for yourself and don't, don't worry about me. You know, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. You go do your thing. And, uh, the, you know, the Lord take care of me. You guys don't need to take care of me. You don't have to go with me. I want you to go. I want you to, I want you to feel guilty about going and trying to make a family and all those things. And so, you know, uh, some of this, you know, is, you know, we see the emotion, you know, of what's going on here. Right there uh, in verse 9, the Lord grant you that you may find rest, uh, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, she loves them, she cares for them, and they lift up their voices and wept. So they cry, at this point, they're crying, you know, and, and, and they're, at this, they're at this moment. I mean, just imagine, you know, she, you know, Naomi lost her husband. She's lost both of her sons. I mean, she, you know, distraught probably doesn't, 
you know, do it justice. But, you know, she's in this place, and then, and then here's both the girls that both married and then lost their husbands. And so altogether, the thing that they really have in common, other than being family uh, at this point, is death. And everything that they've been through, and now they've got kind of a fork in the road of what you're going to do. What are you going to do? And so they're crying together. They're hurt, you know. I can only imagine the kind of hurt that they've been through. Uh, you know, in fact, I, uh, for some reason, thinking, reading through this made me think about a good friend of mine that uh, toward the uh, right, right before the pandemic started and then during the pandemic, uh, he lost both of his parents within a year's time and had no, no inkling that there was even anything wrong with them leading up to that happening and then boom, boom. And, you know, if you remember, you know, a lot of what happened during that time is, uh, you know, people didn't have funerals a lot of times. They didn't, you know, they didn't have time to do the closure thing and, uh, you know, or for, or for other people to come see them and care for them, love on them and say, hey, I'm praying for you and I love you and I'm, you know, I want you to know I'm here for you and all those things uh, that we want to do for people that we care about. I know for a fact that that has taken a great toll on his life as a whole you know, as it would. And here we've got these, these three ladies, same thing. And so they finally, they just, you know, I'm sure it's probably not the first time, but we see this moment, we get a glimpse into them just having a moment of breaking down together and crying uh, as they're thinking about what they're going to do. And then in verse 10, we pick back up and I want us to read this together. Verse 10, it says, and they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people but Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say, I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you sit there, therefore wait till they were grown? I'll explain that in just a minute. Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their hand of the Lord. I'm sorry. Then, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So part of, part of what's going on here and part of what you're seeing Naomi talk about there that that's, could be a little confusing where she's talking about like, you know, do I don't have any more sons to give you guys, you know, is basically what she's saying, uh, you know, and she's basically saying, you know, I'm old, don't even have a husband, I, you know, what, even if I could have more kids, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to wait around for them to, you know, to be birthed and then, you know, to grow up and all these things. And part of, part of what this is, is this is, you know, historically, this is part of what, you know, would happen with families, you know, if uh, a lot of times, you know, back then, if, uh, you know, uh, let's say in this situation, uh, you know, Ruth or Orpah, you know, either one, if, you know, their husband were to die, but then there was another, but then there was a brother, you know, that a lot of times that their wife would go and then marry the other brother. Uh, to, you know, as a way of trying to help that family continue a lineage. And it was considered to be something uh, as great uh, to do for the one that passed away, that like you're continuing the lineage for them, so to speak, and making sure that that family doesn't die out and that kind of thing. I know it's, it's odd and whatnot, but it is what, you know, happened at that point in time. And so that's what Naomi's talking about. She's like, you know, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have any more boys to give you guys. I don't have anything to give you, you guys need to go on and find a life. You need to go make a life. You need to go find a husband, you know, all of these things. Uh, and, you know, don't worry about me and may the Lord, you know, do better by you than he's done me. She's, she's bitter. She's straight up bitter. She's miserable. You know, and it kind of reminds me, it kind of reminds me of, a, you know, people that we run into in life, and, and many of us have been there at times, of just, you know, there's a lot of Naomi's in the world, right? There's a lot of people that are just bitter, and woe is me, and they can't move past it, you know, and they can't see right in front of them what, you know, God is doing, that he's still there, you know, she has no peace. It's, it's not God's fault she doesn't have peace. He hasn't changed, 
But she's basically saying, I hope God treats you better than he did me. You know, she's so bitter, she's so upset. And, and, and look, I, no judgment on my part. I mean, I get it. You know, the loss that, that she has endured, her husband, both of her sons, you know, and then now she's looking at these girls and she's like, girls, you, you guys should just go on. You should go on without me. Go back to your families. Go find a husband. Make a life of your own. I can't help you with that, you know? And, and I, think a lot of, I think a lot of people in those situations that are going through hard things feel like they don't have anything to offer to other people, right? You know, and, and I think that... I think that we've got to see past that. This is, this is Satan's playground, right? The mind is Satan's playground. You know, that when he can get us to the point where we believe we have nothing to offer because our lives are so awful. And, and speaking from somebody, you know, my, my experience, I'm not putting this on anybody else, but my experience when I have dealt with depression in my life has been that Satan wants me to buy a lie. He wants me to believe something that's not true. He, or, or he wants me to take like just one of the little things in my life of the one million things that are in my life that maybe I'm not as good at or that I failed at at some point or whatever. And he wants, he wants me to focus on that particular thing to the point that I eventually could feel like my life's not worth living. Historically, in my life, when I've dealt with depression, that's every single time is what I have figured out is that he wants me to believe a lie. And so the greatest thing that I have found to combat that for me has been the gospel. Because I come back to the gospel and I come back to the truth of the fact is that it's not about what I can do. It's not about how good I can be. It's not about how perfect I am. I'm not perfect. I'm not good. I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus and Jesus himself is perfect, and he is exactly what I need, and my faith in him will not be shook when my head is screwed on straight, and I'm looking through the gospel lens of like, you know what, this isn't about, this isn't about me, it's not even about, it's not even about my faults, it's not about the sins that I've committed in my past, this is about Jesus, this is about the cross, this is about an empty grave. He's defeated death. He's defeated sin. I've already been forgiven. You know? And here, Naomi is, is playing that game that so many of us have played at different times of, you know what, I got, I got nothing to give you. I just, just go on. And this is, this is exactly where Satan wants us to be, by the way. He loves this. He loves when we get to the woe is me, I got nothing to offer, I got nothing to give, uh, again, which is a lie. Why? why? Why does he love that? Because he doesn't want us as believers to affect gospel change in the lives of others. He doesn't want us to glorify God. He doesn't want us to pursue Jesus and grow in our faith in him and be stronger in our faith and be stronger in who Christ is, that we might stand strong in this world, be a light in this world to other people. He wants us to be like her. I mean, look, look at Naomi in this particular moment, and we'll, we'll, she won't always be this way, so we, we can talk, talk about her for like this for just a second. But I mean, she is not exactly like the warm invitation to come to the faith at this point, Right? I mean, you know, if, if, if we're like, if we're really being honest, like, you know, she's, you know, she's not like the poster child for, hey, come join me and God's people. In fact, she's saying the exact opposite. She's like, go back to your families and, and go back to your gods. Whoa, what? Yeah, because the Moabites were not people who were following the Lord, they had their own pagan God that they followed. And so Naomi's like, you don't want to come with me. You don't want to come with me. You go back, go back, go back and, and you know, and, and try to find happiness in a family. Well, good luck with that. We know good and well we don't find happiness in anything but Jesus. Now, can we be happy with our families? Yes, obviously so. But they will also usually deal us some unhappiness along the way as well right? 
Some of you would like to come testify right now. We will give you an opportunity to uh, repent of that after the service is over with, okay? <laughs> Piper says this in uh, uh, his book about Ruth, which is called Sex, Race, and the Sovereignty of God. Uh, he says, when we have decided that God is against us, we usually exaggerate our hopelessness. I want to read that part again. When we have decided that God is against us, we usually exaggerate our hopelessness. We become so bitter, we can't see the rays of light peeking around the clouds. You ever been there? We've all been there. At some point in time, I guarantee you we've all been there. I, I, never, I will never forget. The Lord used this in my life a long, long time ago. When I was a youth pastor, I was, I was having a moment, okay? And uh, the moment was quite honestly surrounding the fact that uh, I, had, I had taken on a new job uh, as a youth pastor at a church where I didn't know anybody at the time. I mean, just, you know, I was probably, probably been there for a few months kind of had, there had been a bad history of youth pastors. That's not un, abnormal, unfortunately, sometimes in churches. And I was kind of finding myself in a, having to rebuild, uh, you know, kind of a state of things. And, and, and we were able to do that. And God blessed it uh, in the long term. But in the beginning days of that, it was hard. It was tough. There was a lot of people that questioned me, uh, my judgment. You know, I was really young. You know, all the things are like, this guy's got to be an idiot. He drives like 67 Mustangs all the time and you know I mean just look at this guy he's stupid right and so um, uh, on to boot on that when I took that job like literally the same week that I, I had left the one church I was working at to go to the other church that I was working at uh, I had broken up uh, my girlfriend and I had broken up and we had parted ways and we had dated like three years and I thought you know thought at one point we're going to get married and all these kinds of things and so, uh, you know, I was just playing this game. I was like, man, life just stinks. And, you know, I, this, just, this is so hard and all these things. And one day I was in the office and I had one of the mothers of one of the students that was in my youth ministry. And she actually helped do a lot for the youth ministry. Basically kind of, uh, you know, acting as like a, uh, an assistant and that sort of thing. And helped me put together newsletters and all these different things. Just awesome, awesome lady. And uh, I'm, in, I'm in the office one day, I walk in, and I'm, I remember I'm getting the mail out of, you know, we had like the old, you know, like, I don't know, a uh, little filing cabinet kind of thing where everybody got their mail. And uh, I'm getting the mail out of that, and she's in there working, making copies or something, and, uh, and she says, hey, how are, how are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm all right, I'm all right, you know, and I'm, I'm playing it off or whatever like we do. And then she stopped me, and she's like, hey, Chris. I said, yeah. And she said, how, how are you really doing? And I said, not great, you know, not great. Just dealing with, dealing with a lot of stuff. And, uh, and she asked a couple questions, and I'm sure I shared a few things. And she was caring for me, which is, which is pretty awesome of her. And then she, then she kind of stopped me, and she said, hey, before you go, can I say something to you? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And she said, um, don't miss what God's doing right now. And I just kind of stood there with the deer in the headlight look, and I, I could tell she was like, you're not tracking with me. And, and she just said, Chris, the Lord's at work right now. She's like, I, I, I don't doubt that you're going through a hard time. She's like, but I just don't want you to miss what the Lord's doing. She said, I, I know that some of this stuff that's happening here right now is hard right now. I know that, that you, you know, came out of a relationship and you're, you're upset about that right now. She said, but I just want you to know that I'm seeing God do some great things just even in the ministry here that you're a part of. And, and I, just, I just want to encourage you, don't miss what the Lord is doing right now. We get to these points in life where Satan wants us to give up. He's, he's doing everything. I mean, the attacks that he puts on us usually have to do with the idea and the fact that he wants us to not just, not just give up on us, but just anything that is kingdom related. And the second that he manages to get us to that place, he's winning. He doesn't want us to serve. 
He doesn't want us to care for others. He doesn't want us to be a part of strengthening the body of Christ or being a light uh, to the person that we work with or whatever it may be. I think it's important that we don't miss what God is doing. Even you may be right now, maybe right now you're going through something hard. Let me just encourage you. God's at work. Okay. And, and look, if you don't see it, that's fine. Maybe talk to some other believers around you and say, Hey, I think I believe God's at work and I want to be a part of something that he's doing. What do you recommend? And you know what? They're probably going to invite you. If it's somebody that you believe is growing in the Lord, it's probably somebody who serves him. Well, uh, if I had to guess, and they're probably going to invite you to serve alongside of them or something like that to kind of help pull you out of the hole. And that's not a bad thing. That can be a great thing. Verse 15, it goes on here, and it says this, it says, and she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, return after your sister-in-law. Again, she's not doing real well at leading people to Jesus right now, okay? And so, you know, she's, again, this is Naomi, she's talking to Ruth, she's like, look, Orpah, you know, she went her way. Why are you here clinging to me? You know, see your sister-in-law is going back to be uh, to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. It says, but Ruth said, verse 16, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. And here we have Ruth willing to leave her native country and its worship of this pagan god to become a part of the people of God in the land of Judah. Now, here's the truth. We don't know all the backstory as to what's happened, but obviously something has happened to where, to where Ruth's life has been changed in some way in believing in Naomi's God, okay, and what would have been her husband's God and, you know, all this kind of thing, you know, and we, so we don't know if this was years before. We don't know if this is happening in the moment. And Naomi just assumed that they probably just need to go back to their gods, you know, and that kind of thing. But here we have Ruth willing to leave her country. Now, let me just talk about this for just a second. She's a Moabite, okay, and now she's going to go and live with Israelites, with God's people, God's chosen people. And she is going to be of a different race. And at that point in time, it is not 2022. Not that we have overcome all that, and we all know that, you know, which is an issue in of itself. But here, you know, she's, she's, she's not, she's not, it's not a haphazard decision to make. There's a lot to this decision, the depth of this decision. She's counting the cost to basically say, I'm never going to return to my people or my gods. I'm going with you. Now I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about what it must have been like to be Ruth. To say that to Naomi, and obviously I, I think we see her really love Naomi, really care for Naomi. I'm sure part of this is the Lord using the situation to say, maybe just speak to her heart and say, you can't leave her, you got to go with her kind of thing. But he's going to use that ultimately, you know, for his glory to do other things. And, and, I, and I see what I see here, even though Naomi is bitter and these types of things, she is at least making the effort to return to God's people. Now, is it based on the food thing? Very well may be, okay? But in general, she could just stay in Moab, been there for over 10 years. I don't know about you, but I hate moving. Boy, do I hate moving. I hate packing. I hate moving. Oh my gosh, I never want to move again in my life if I can help it. Sometimes we 
come to a place where we know we need to turn from something and turn to God. And you know, I, I know Naomi's bitter, but I believe deep down in her heart, she knows she needs to get back to being with God's people and to be with the Lord, seeking the Lord. And really this comes down to, you know, for most of us, when we get to these places in life of, of turning our back on something and turning to God, really this usually comes down to a laying down our idols situation. And we obviously have done, you know, extensive, extensive study through, you know, uh, idols in a series we did recently called Idol Factory and all that. Go check that out. But, you know, I think for all of us to just recognize that anything that we're putting before the Lord, we've made it an idol. If there's something that we have in our life that if you said, you take that out of my life, my life will be ruined, it's an idol, okay? It's an idol. And, and, and we're great at making them, and we usually make them out of good things, you know? And the truth is, is that God's trying to keep our perspective. He's trying to keep our attention to help us to see that we, we do, he doesn't just want us to worship him. We need to worship him. We need him to be our God. We need him to be our savior. We don't need to put anything else before him. And that may mean that we need to lay something down, turn back to the Lord. Verse 19, well, let's go back here for just a second. Verse, verse 16, you know, we see this concerted effort on Ruth's part as she's talking to Naomi, where she says, you know, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge, and your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Those two statements, your people shall be my people. It's one thing to say, oh, you know, where you lay down, I'm going to lay down, and all that kind of stuff. But when she says, your people are going to be my people, again, remember, she's of a different race, and, and just, you know, everything that would have come with that at that point in time, huge piece of the puzzle. And then even furthermore, she says, and your God, my God. This tells me that her God was already her God. And she recognized that the best thing for her to do was to go be with God's people. How amazing is that? So this is a returning to the Lord. Now, verse 19, we pick back up and it says, so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. Imagine that, right? And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has test testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Naomi still very bitter, still very hurt, still, you know, not going to be the life of the party, you know. And uh, the truth is Naomi's, and, and names were a big deal, huge deal back then, uh, and the meanings of these names. Naomi, the, the name Naomi means pleasant or sweet. And the name Mara is derived from the, from the Hebrew word marar, marar, uh, yeah, I know. It's a little repetitive. It sounds kind of crazy. I'm not going to do it again. I know you want me to. Marar. But that word is derived from the statement to be bitter. She's like, she's, she's like don't call me Naomi. Don't, don't call me happy. Don't call me sweet. Don't call me pleasant. You call me bitter. Right? She's wearing it like a badge at this point. You know? You know, and, and here again, she says, verse 21, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. And I don't know about you, but I, I think we've all had moments in life where we have felt like that. Maybe not to this extreme, maybe to this extreme, maybe even more extreme. As we've all experienced different things. But if we look back and we think on certain times, we think about, 
you know, those feelings and we think about what we were going through and how God used those moments in our lives to bring us back to him. And folks, that's really, that's really, you know, we talked about suffering a whole bunch last week, by the way, if you missed it. Um, everybody loves to talk about suffering. Um, actually, it was really good last week. I'm very grateful for what the Lord did last week. But, you know, I think for us to be reminded that oftentimes the Lord just allows us to go through these things so that we come back to him and we quit running to everything else. Because the everything else's will let us down. And we know that. The chapter's not done. It has one more verse here. In verse 22 it says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, again, we saw up in the beginning of the last section uh, that when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. You know, and I mean, you can imagine, like, think about like, you know, some old friends that you haven't seen in 10 or 15, 20 years. We don't know how long it's been exactly. Let's just throw out, you know, a wide array there that's most likely where it was, you know, but let's just say those old friends return and let's say that there was a family that left and only one comes back and then comes with somebody else that you don't even know and is not of our people and all of these things. And this is, you know, this is what, this is what you've got going on. And, you know, I think what we see here is we're seeing the beginnings of God's plan being put into action. First of all, we see Ruth's loyalty here. We need friends and family like Ruth, don't we? People that'll stick it out with us. People that when people that when we're hurting and we're doing the whole hurt people, hurt people thing, and we're hurting those people around us, then we're like, nope, get out of here. I don't need you. Get gone, you know, or whatever. That we're, you know, that they're like, nope, I'm not leaving. You're stuck with me. Right? That's what Ruth basically says. It's like you're stuck with me. I'm not going anywhere. Right? And, here, and here's, the, here's the funny thing, that I, I look at this, and I hadn't seen anybody talking about this, but it just, just kind of came, came to me while I've been studying on this, that, you know, really what we have here is we have a situation where Naomi really ought to be Ruth's mentor. And really, really what we've got is we've got this thing where it's flipped on its head, where Ruth is ministering to her instead. Naomi is stuck in her situation Obviously, she's very hurt. She feels like the Lord has done this to her, you know, and she, we don't get reasons or anything why she feels that way, but obviously she understands that, that the Lord's hand is in everything, you know, and obviously she's allowed, you know, these three people that she loves very much to die, you know, and so she's like, you know, why, 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 woe is me, you know, what am I going to do? And, uh, you know, it's real easy for us to do that And then forget in the midst of all that, that the Lord wants to use these things. And as we talked last week, even about death, you know, that the Lord just calls people home. And to us, a lot of times we're like, you know, why Lord, why did you call him home? This stinks. It's like the worst thing you could do. Is it really the worst thing that he could do is to like bring them to be with him? But we, we think so much about here and now, and we say our hope is not here, but then we put our hope here. And there's more to this life. And again, this is, this is lots of folks who get to this point to say, I have nothing to offer to anyone, poor me. But despite her bitterness, Ruth believed, trusted, followed after her God. Isn't that amazing how God works sometimes? I'll walk away, just being honest, it's just preacher talk here, okay? Preach, preacher confessions. Um, there's, there's been Sundays that I have walked away from a Sunday going, well, that was the worst bunch of whatever I did today. I don't even know what that was about, you know? And then, and then, you know, sometime later on might be weeks, whatever, you know, somebody will, somebody will hit me up and say, Hey, um, I need to talk to you about something. Okay. What do you want to talk about? You know, well, you know, a few weeks ago you were talking about this, this, and this, and I'll be like, 
oh, you listened to that mess, did you? You know, and, uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in fact, you know, when you got to this point, and then they'll, they'll bring up something that I talked about, and then they'll go, and you know, in the midst of that, you know what God spoke to my heart about? And then they'll go off on some tangent about something that God showed them, revealed to them uh, through his word, through the teaching, whatever, that was nothing about what I talked about. And I'm just like, holy cow. And it's a reminder. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about him. Ruth ends up ministering to her. And obviously she's hurt. She needed to be ministered to. But she saw through the bad moment that Naomi was in, okay, and didn't say, you know what, well, um, I'd probably go back and be with Naomi, but I mean, you know, before she talked about how great this God is, and then here she is over here, and she's kind of blasting him and talking about how bitter she is and hope that he deals better with me than he did with her and all that kind of stuff. And so I don't, I don't think I'm going to go follow that God. Not about us. The Lord just wants us to be faithful. He just calls us to be faithful. Follow him. He'll do work beyond anything that we can imagine. And when he does that work, it changes people's lives. We don't do that. Our work doesn't do that. His work does that. Ruth's conversion here, even, should light a fire for all of us to see the potential of God wanting to do something in someone else's life. There's Ruth's all around us. You realize that, right? We know people who don't know Jesus. We know people who've never trusted him. You may be sitting here today, maybe you've never trusted and believed in Christ as your Savior. I can't encourage you to do anything more than that. Follow him, believe him, trust in him, put your faith in him. You're like, well, I just don't know. I just don't know what to believe. Just believe. Just believe in the simple pieces of the gospel that God sent his son to die on the cross, to take the death that our sin deserved, that when we believe in him, that we're saved, we are forgiven, we're made new, we're given a new life even, and promised an eternity with him. Ruth, Ruth's conversion, I don't know if we want to give it to her her husband, you know, as far as like the testimony that maybe he had, we don't really know the story, but somewhere along the way, she saw God at work in this family's life, and even despite how Naomi was acting in this moment, she wants to follow him, which is a testimony to God's working in his power, despite our worst efforts at times, right? Again, because she's not the poster child. We're not putting Naomi on a billboard and saying, hey, everybody come to Naomi's church, right? And she says, your people will be my people. Let me remind you of something. People need people. People need people. Let me throw this at you. New people, new people need people. New people need people. You're like, what are you talking about, new people? Um, we have had an influx of new people. Maybe you're part of new people here, hanging out at 24 right now. By the way, we're super glad you're here. Um, but there's been an influx to happen over the last month or so here of new people. Here's my biggest concern, is that new people would come in, see us talking to each other, loving each other, caring for each other, not loving them, not caring for them, not paying attention to them, we have to be intentional. We have to show up looking for new people. You may be one of those new people. Please, let me ask if I may, have grace with us as we get to know you. We want to get to know you. It's tough doing that on just Sunday mornings, by the way. Really needs to be you know, more interaction than just Sunday mornings to do that. But listen, if, if you're looking for a church family, we, we would love for you to be a part of ours. We really would. 
And for us that have been here, we've got to be careful that we don't just talk to people that we know all the time. We need to be intentional. We need to come in here looking for new people. Last, last Sunday, last Sunday, I talked to five first-time visitors last Sunday. Now, that was me running around with a, like a chicken with my head cut off and doing all this stuff. I, I left going, how in the world did I get to meet five first-time visitors in one Sunday? That's just who I met. I didn't meet them all. They hardly ever come talk to me. I have to hunt them down. I'm like, you look new. I'm not sure. Maybe you've been coming here five years. Sometimes it's hard to tell, right? Some of y'all lose some weight or something, throw me off. Sometimes it goes the other way, you know. Just saying. It's happened to us all, right? Turns out hot chicken is not a regulated health food to help you get the diet and exercise you need. New people need people. And I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like this is the, I, let me just say this. This is the biggest thing on my heart as the pastor of 24 Church right now, that new people need people. We're people who love Jesus. And we say we love people. And we want, we want God to grow the church. We want, you know, look, that's great. That's fine. We need to love people. We can't get to the state where Naomi was like, poor, poor pitiful me. I got nothing to offer. I got nothing to give. That is not true. That is not true. We have Jesus to give. And even, even in our hard moments, God wants to use us for his glory to be light to people. A couple things that we see in the passage that I think are worth noting, and we'll shut it down. First of all, God provides. God provides people that love us at times, even when we don't want them. <laughs> right? God provides our food and everything that we need. And when you get even to the very last verse, the last words of the chapter, it says, And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. You know what that means? In that moment, God brought them back when there wasn't just food, but there was work. Perfect timing. God's timing, he provides. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's everything. I, I know we get into ourselves like, oh man, look at what I did and look at what I can do. And look, it's all from him. We're just managers, right? Second Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. His grace is good enough to cover us over all the things, over all the sin, over all the hard times, the bad times, I don't think I can do it times, that he still wants to abound in every good work in our lives to use us for his glory. His grace abounds. We see his grace over and over through the story. Is it a tough story? Yeah, absolutely. Do we see him working? Absolutely. Do we see him bringing back to him people that he loves? Absolutely, we do. Which brings me to the theme that we see of returning to him, going home. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sometimes we just need to be with the Lord. Having a hard time? Have you spent some time with the Lord? Oh, well, I called so-and-so, and I've been doing this. I went to church over here, and I did that, and I've been listening. To... No, no. Have you been with the Lord? Have you sought the Lord? Have you spent time with him? Come to me, all who, are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need 
the Lord. He is the one that provides that for us. Zechariah 1.3, Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Return to me, I will return to you. He hadn't gone anywhere. He's still there. He's still faithful. We're over here not faithful. He's right here faithful, right? That's who he is. And just in case you missed last week or you forgot where we ended last week, I'm going to, again, spoiler alert, read the very last verse of the entire book of Ruth to ruin the whole rest of the series for you, okay? And it says this in Ruth 4.22, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. God has a plan. And it may seem like you are in the craziest of plans right now. And I know some people in my life and in our church that probably feel like I must be in the craziest of plans that God could come up with. I'm sure Naomi felt the same way. But Obed fathered Jesse and Jesse fathered David. And what we're going to see is we're going to see this whole thing. The restoration of a family and a lineage that is literally going to lead to a guy named David who would be a king and later his lineage through a bunch of crazy mess too would lead to a lineage that would lead to our Savior, Jesus. Bitterness is a powerful blindness. Stop buying it. God has a plan. God provides. Trust the process. Believe in Jesus. Go home. Let's pray. God, it is your grace and your grace only that brings salvation through your son, Jesus. God, thank you. Thank you for the promises that you have made and kept all this time. Lord, that you are always there for us, that you love us, that you care for us. God, I pray for anyone right now that has never trusted in you, believed in you, to have done the work that you have done through your son Jesus, through sending him to die on the cross for us. God, I pray that today they would believe. God, save them today. God, thank you for what you've done for us. God, I pray for us as believers, Lord, today, that we would follow you all the days of our lives through the hard moments, through the good moments. Lord, that we would be looking for ways to serve you, to love you, to care for others, to be Jesus to this world. Lord, use us for your glory. Use us for your glory. God, thank you for what you've done through your son. Today we ask all of it in his name. Amen. If you would like to talk about what it means to know Jesus, just pray or whatever, I'll be in the foyer right now.